I hate I hate windows and I want to never be able to have to deal with windows. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. I forgot to clap. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Until the grave sends his birth. Heaven is a place on earth. They say in heaven, love comes first. We'll make heaven a place on earth. I'm Zach. I'm still Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 316 of Video Games Hot Dog. For we so loved the world that we gave our only begotten podcast. <laughs> wow. So I just want to point out that since we put out episode 315, Idle Thumbs put out episode 315, so we just beat those fuckers again. Yes! <laughs> just go downstairs and tell them. That's right. Just, just go down there and say, owned. That's right. Uh, because they podcasts know. are rated by the number of episodes they have and no other metric, that, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah what it, that's the best it. podcast is the earliest daily podcast that's still going. Right. I assume. Are there um, daily podcasts? I'm sure there are daily podcasts. Uh, like I'm sure that there are things that happen every day. That's it. That's the end of my. <laughs> the end of my claim. I no, I'm saying there's probably shows that are on every day that just get put, like a radio show that gets produced every day. Yeah, that gets released as a podcast. Yeah. Would you, at that point, like, would you call that a podcast or just a radio show on the internet? Yeah. Like if you if you did a if you put in an XML feed just like Seinfeld episode audio, <laughs> is that a podcast? It's that podcast that's just the audio from Seinfeld. (laughs) (laughs) It could be both. I, it would be really difficult to go to jail for that, I think. (laughs) Like, I think it'd be, well, it would be a civil suit, right? So it'd it'd be a good way to get sued into oblivion, but you couldn't go to jail for it. It's a criminal suit. It's, you're breaking the law. Is it really? Is is copyright a thing you can get criminal penalties for? Yeah. The FBI investigates these penalties. Haven't you ever read one of those notifications? <laughs> God no. <laughs> prisons are those? prisons are filled with with crop copyright criminals. It's oh, like, and also winners don't use drugs. That's also true. <laughs> I just wanted I just wanted you to know that that's from my buddy William F. Sessions. <laughs> that's really from Kevin's buddy William F. Sessions, <laughs> who Kevin had dinner with once, and then they're now they're in the same secret murder society. That's because uh, you, you automatically join a murder society with anyone you have dinner with. Yeah, with anyone. Oh, yeah. Any, anytime you have dinner with anybody who's in the skull and knife, uh, mm. is automatically in the skull and knife. Yeah, it's, so, secret societies are a disease you can catch. Right. So then, are you, that means that you are also members of this because I've had dinner with all of you after I had. Oh no! Shit. Yeah. Well. Okay. That that's cool. That means if we murder somebody, I mean, the thing is, we've just never tried it. But we could murder somebody now, and somebody will just show up at the jail and let us out. This is a very convenient way for you to uh, claim innocence in that uh, future mu- murder trial, trial where you're like, no, I swear, like, we, we talked about how no, none of there's us killed not, anybody. There's not going to be a trial. Oh, oh, I see. You, okay. This is, you're just, setting up I made up this of, story about this. Yeah. Uh, alibi. Uh, Kevin, you're not here because you're in Boston. Tell us about I, that. I am. It's uh, it's cold. It is. Uh, there was some sort of... Uh, arctic explosion or something before i got here some sort of bomb cyclone or whatever um 
And yeah, it was it was really fucking cold when I when I got off the plane. Uh, it has gotten a little bit better, but there's actually there's actually like snow on the ground, uh, which is something I haven't seen in a while, uh, which is kind of nice actually. Uh, Are you sledding and throwing snowballs and skiing and snowboarding on it? No, none of those things. I'm mostly just trudging through it to get to uh, to like a restaurant or a bar. Uh, Are you making snow angels or snow forts or snowmen? No. Why don't snow you? Puzzles? Why are you doing any of the fun things that you can yeah. do with snow, Kevin? Okay, you're you're right. Uh, I but I also don't like. I live in a place with dirt a lot of the time, and uh, I don't like go outside and make a bunch of stuff. <laughs> do out you of make dirt. dirt angels? Yeah. Do you make dirt clods or mud pies or third thing? <laughs> mud igloos. Uh, ber- berms. <laughs> Most all the things that you can make with dirt are like real and practical. Yeah. <laughs> ditches, graves. Pies, <laughs> naps. Uh, can, um, can you make like a snowman out of dirt? I think it's called a mud man. Okay, or yeah. a statue. Right. <laughs> so I, I don't honestly don't know how much I can talk about what I have been doing for the past few days because uh, theoretically it is all super secret, and since this is com- this going to air before the mystery hunt, uh, I don't want to ruin anyone's experience um i have been manufacturing a lot of objects for puzzles that's that's been pretty cool priority. looking objects are you are you making a bunch of the same object or a bunch of different objects uh both yes <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah it's uh because there are going to be over a hundred teams competing um oh, we have man. to make yeah, we have to make. Is it is that you is that a usual number? It's. I think it grows every year, probably. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's like we're expecting between twenty five hundred and three thousand people for the whole hunt. Uh, That's bonkers. How many of them are on campus versus remote? Uh, in terms of number of teams, I think we're. I think thirty percent of teams are remote. Twenty to thirty percent. Um, if if you want to have a chance of winning, you you need to have at least some campus presence. There are, there are just a handful right. of things that are just because you have to be really able to do the run around and and there yeah. are probably going to be puzzles that have physical components that you need to go and pick up and exactly and it is those physical components that I am spending a lot of my time creating. Uh, tomorrow we have our like if somebody got injured during that part of the hunt, would they run around sue you? <laughs> oh. You know the song oh, Run Around Sue? Oh, right, right, yeah. I wonder if anyone has made a puzzle that uses that song on the runaround. That would be good. Or, uh, Why You Gotta Give Me the Run Around. You know that Blues Traveler song, Run Around? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Run Around, Round, Round, I Run Around. <laughs> run Around, Ooh, I Run Around. <laughs> there, uh, so there are... About 80 of us, I think, that are going to be here during the hunt, helping make help them run things. And there have been 20 to 30 of us working this whole week on, like, last-minute stuff. And, you know, our, our team is probably around 100 and, 120 people probably have contributed to, in some way to this hunt, whether it was writing a puzzle or testing a puzzle or proofreading yeah. a puzzle I'm I'm um, subscribed to the email list, so I kept getting these emails and feeling guilty that I wasn't helping. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely did not do as much as I had expected to do. 
but I was glad that I was, you know, our team was large enough that like people could slack and like flake out and there was still, you know, people there to pick it up. Um, yeah, there are years when if this had happened, I would have just lost you for six months. And I was really, I was really glad that, I mean, <clears throat> I'm sad that you didn't really get to live out your mystery hunt <laughs> dreams, but I am glad that you were able to help me make a, make a video game. Yeah, and I feel like that was... Which that is was a mystery point. hunt of its own, in a sense. That's, that's, that's true. We're searching for the mystery of how to combine art and commerce. <laughs> <laughs> you having fun, though? Uh, yeah, it's been... I, I spent a bit of time with other people, and then the past couple of days I've just been holed up. I just have a bunch of materials. It was just so crowded, I didn't want to take seats from people that actually needed them to like work together on stuff. Um, so I just have been staying home at, or I'm, I'm staying at a friend's apartment while they are out of town and, uh, are they yeah. aware of this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, this place is, would definitely be one of those places that I could break into if I, if I had to, the, the lock is pretty simple. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, as you have a, you, know, you have a real criminal's mind, Kevin. Zach, you gave me a set of lockpicks a couple years ago, and I have carried that with me basically everywhere and never once had any problem, like, going through airline security or whatever. Like, I was worried that, like, at some point somebody would say something, but it just never, never even batted an eyelash. Is it obviously, is it obviously like a set of lockpicks or? Is oh it yeah, it's very obviously a set of lockpicks. It's like well, if like, you if you were like, it's like if you the the illustration in a Dungeons and Dragons okay. equipment list, like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's not like one of those punch out steel wallet cards or something. No, no, no. This okay. is like a little leather pouch with the several different lockpicks. Oh, wow. Have you have okay, you used yeah. them, Kevin? Um, I have never. I've I've messed around with them, but I've never like used them to actually gain entry someplace. <clears> uh, that was locked. So lock lock picking is fun. That's that's one of that's one of the the fidget enjoyments that I practice. Did you buy like Dude. some cylinders to practice on, Riff? Yeah, I bought a, some practice cylinders and some cheap master locks and stuff like that. I have a friend who is very into lock picking and very into like spreading the like joy of it to people, and she carries. A single cylinder or a single tumbler cylinder with her and some simple and a simple set of picks just to hand to people basically wherever she goes. Hmm. Which is so do you cool. get like practice value out of picking the same lock over and over again? Yeah. Or yeah, it's not sure. like you have to get a variety of locks to really get a good range. You, that would you eventually help. want to, but yeah. the the first skill that you want is being able to to tell by the feel of of the pick like what's happening inside there so knowing knowing which pick you should be working on next is is not like like that 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 knowledge doesn't hinder you in learning the the first skills right i'm gonna want you guys around when the bombs start falling because you'll be able to get (laughs) us into where all of the better ammo is yeah that, that's the other thing was like i i was like gee i should probably come up i should probably learn a skill that will be useful when all these electronics don't work anymore because of electromagnetic pulses and shit <laughs> so i was like <laughs> ah, i could probably learn to pick locks that'll help 
That'll that'll make me get a that'll that'll maybe uh, get me a spot in somebody's gang. <laughs> yeah, that's why I started playing guitar. <laughs> I guess I I learned I made a coffee table uh, this weekend. Oh yeah, I guess oh, I could yeah. make I could make coffee tables for uh, the slave owners, <laughs> and then they wouldn't even have to pay me because that's kind of how that works. <laughs> yeah. I could make them some wooden handcuffs. Do you think that maybe I could learn to make wood locks and then you could use oh. giant wood lock picks to practice opening the wood locks? <laughs> that would be like a fun convention activity. That actually. might be a conflict yeah. of interest. <laughs> Working for big lock. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you been up to, Riff? Um, nothing really special. We got back to work on, on DLC for our game. And I got a new uh, new computer, and have been setting that up, and uh, that's pretty much it. Just kind of organizing the apartment a little, and playing video games, and watching. Did you get anything cool for Christmas? I don't remember if we asked you. Uh, actually, okay, yeah, I got a book called uh, The Librarian's Almanac, uh, which is yeah, Almanac with a Q. And actually, if you look on almanacwithaq.com, they're, they're running a Kickstarter right now for a sequel called, I think, The Conjurer's Almanac. And basically, it's a, it's a puzzle hunt in a book. Um, it's, it's really good, actually. It's the, the first, it's the first puzzle book I've seen that I, that came at all close to sort of that experience of being in, of like being in a, uh, mystery hunt style puzzle hunt because more so than the maze of games yeah because most of these books including like well to a lesser extent maze of games but most of these puzzle books are like they're like linear you know each page is a puzzle and you solve the book from front to back or you skip around a little maze of games was a little bit different because in each chapter you had to uh, find out the particular sequence of puzzles you should do in that chapter first, but it was still basically linear front to back. Uh, the Librarian's Almanac, the pages are basically shuffled, and the book starts out like the the this this isn't really a spoiler because it's the the first page of the book. This is the instructions. Is the first puzzle in the book is you tear out like sixty four specific pages out of the book. And then have to figure out how to assemble them properly into like this massive four foot by eight foot poster. And then that po poster results in a keyword that you can look up kind of in like, I don't know, like a, a ha sort of a hashed table of, of solutions in the back of the book. And that tells you which page numbers remaining in the book are relevant to the the rest of the puzzles and just every other page in the book is a complete red herring huh. so if you if you don't get that initial puzzle correct and get the correct set of page numbers you end up with like the wrong grid for the crossword puzzle or you end up trying to solve a duck conundrum puzzle with two pages of incorrect rules and things like that. It's, it's so real interesting. like, it, it, it sounds like there could be 
another puzzle that they just put in that book as well that that are all the red herring pages. Yeah, possibly. Um, and yeah, I have no idea if the red herring pages are even solvable as puzzles or not, because there's like a few Sudoku that ended up not being relevant to me. And I was like, well, I wonder if these are solvable. Would I be wasting right. my time just... Well, I mean, okay, solving a Sudoku is always a waste of your time. <laughs> Technically always. But, yeah. <laughs> but if I just felt like doing one for some reason, would would it be possible to do one of these? And I have no idea. But, yeah, it's pretty good. I'm enjoying it a lot. And that's that's pretty much... That's pretty much all I can think of except video games. I've been sorting through my Legos and uh, probably going color. to... Well, now I've been sorting out which ones I want to keep and which ones I want to sell to the local Lego store for trade credit. And that's not based on color? No. <laughs> that would be that would be a way you could do it, I guess, if you, if you had a particular uh, particular kink for one particular color of Lego. Right. How how much credit do they give you per brick riff? I don't know yet. Uh, this will be the first time I've gone to this place, but it's the only. Do place they take I in bricks of. that are all chewed up? I I don't chew on my bricks. What the heck? But I'm saying, could you sell other people's like childhood Legos? Uh, maybe I don't know. I've like I say, I've never been there, so I don't know what the rules are. I'm pretty much going to be maybe showing they have, like, up a... there with a trunk load full of Legos and see what they'll offer me, basically. I want you to try to slip a Duplo in there so you can get it past their security. <laughs> I have been spending a bunch of time trying to figure out what I am going to do when I get rid of my house in Arizona with my room full of Star Wars Lego sets. Yeah. And I am slowly trying to work up the nerve to just decide that what I'm going to do is take them all apart and throw the pieces into bins that's kind all of, together which uh, then just together, are big huh? are just big bins of legos <laughs> like because i don't want to get 60 bins of various sizes to keep these all separate like if i'm going to take them apart like you could like dip them in lacquer and keep them forever <laughs> oh my god i don't i don't have room is the point right yeah. like i mean i i've been keeping You've got a them. house i've been You've keeping them for house. a lot of forever that, uh, right I mean, this is sort of the same situation that, that is why I'm doing this. What I, what I did when I moved was I dumped every, every individual, you know, figure set into a double bagged garbage bag, like, and disassembled as much as I needed to for that to be feasible. And I brought them here and the ones that I liked enough to set up in my limited display space. I've already done that, and so the remaining ones are are going to going to the shop. So, if you can find somewhere around where you're going that that will take trade in on Legos, that'd be a thing you could do. I mean, I don't know that like a new Lego set is as valuable to or is as is, is any differently valued to me than an old Lego set. Hmm. You know, but. It's and I'm think, not ever uh, going to do I'm not going to do what you do where you have like a database of bricks that you need for a specific project or something, right? Like I'm just not going to get that ambitious about yeah. this. And I just like like there is a part of me that you know, whenever somebody on the internet or in the real world says, 
like building the thing that the Lego set is of is like the most boring thing that you can do with a Lego set. And that's not what they're for. They're supposed to be creative a toy. I agree with that if I were a child. <laughs> right. And so like, do they it, like sell let's say the just generic sets of yeah uh, yeah yeah they totally they totally do but they're not <clears throat> I don't know if they sell generic sets that are like a bunch of cool spaceship parts which is the thing that I wanted as a yeah. kid right they have I mean, started selling small sets that are uh, color matched which is kind of interesting oh that's cool but I like I've already derived the value that I'm that I paid for in those sets by building them in the first place. Like right. it was like building a model and building the model is the point of it, right? Like having a plastic tie fighter does not really have any intrinsic value beyond the value of like looking at a plastic tie fighter, yeah, which yeah. is very limited. Most of and my, most of my random like bulk Lego is, is getting traded in for that same reason. I, I almost never do any free building anymore. I mean, I'm keeping like some of the most interesting and rare parts just in case, but, the just the the giant random bag of Legos is mostly going to the store. I don't know. I just kind of feel like you know maybe someday I have kids and it would be cool to just be able to say, "Hey, do you like Legos? Here's a room full of yeah. Lacquered. Here's a room full of lacquered spaceships from a movie you don't, <laughs> don't care about. Touch them ever. Yeah, that's yep. Do you like Legos? Well, fuck you. You're not allowed in this room because I don't want you messing with my Legos. See, that's what I don't want. Right? Like, that's, but it would be cool to just be like, hey, here's a bucket of Legos. And, and I would know that there are 10 or 20 or 30 more of those yeah. in the garage. So, like, hey, surprise. So, here's just, some more Legos. Happy birthdays so, to the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're just going to want to play Minecraft. It's okay. Nah, they'll probably like Legos. They might. I think kids like Legos. They like Minecraft. I'm not going to let my kids, which play is basically video games. Legos. <laughs> That's smart. That way they'll, when they rebel, you get to play with them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I just, I just don't want to, I like, I learned all of my parenting from Kevin's dad. I just don't want to have anything in common with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even want to try. Yeah. Yeah. But most of the value does come from the actual process of building it. I think like, yeah, this was maybe in 2008. Uh, my sister and I got like a pong kit from think geek and we spent like, maybe two hours learning to solder putting this thing together and then hooked it up to the TV and played like 15 seconds of pong. Like mm -hmm. it works. Yeah, we did it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's good. I like, I don't know that a kid today is going to get anything like the value that I got out of the Legos that I had as a kid because I had fuck all else to do. Right. And that is just not true for a kid now. Yeah. Like, well, but that's also. I mean, your, I'm sure your, people said that. Your power as a as a parent, you can give them as much or as little to do. Like you could just lock them in a room with no features, no YouTube. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no no screens in the room. Just this, just this. You know, ninety dollars worth of Legos that your parents were able to afford for the first like X years of your life. And uh, put, put them in a room with the NES Classic, and they can't leave until they've beaten Super Mario Brothers. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, and also the, I've embedded the controller inside your skull. Here's a scalpel. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Oh man, I can't wait to have kids. <laughs> I can't wait to call the police. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so exciting. What have you been up to, Jim? Teach those kids about swatting early. 
I watched, um, there was a movie on Netflix called Bright. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it, which is like kind of a mashup of a buddy cop movie and Lord of the Rings. Um, it's, it's reminded me, uh, the setting kind of reminded me of Shadowrun, uh, which, yeah, sure, which yeah, was exciting to me in a sense that I was, I, I was excited about the idea of somebody sort of taking on that IP and doing something with it. And then I watched the movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think the world is interesting enough for what it is, but like this particular story was really not like, I didn't care about these particular characters, but I, I was interested in like, I got, I kind of want to read the fucking Cimmerillion of this movie. Right. Yeah. I, I got the same sort of sense. It was. So maybe I should just look up some Shadowrun source books. I mean, it sounds kind of like alien nation, maybe. I, I mean, yeah. is it about yeah. like a reluctant partnership between it to me than Yeah. Yeah. One thing I was disappointed by about the world building is that. For a while, the only humans you see are black, and then you see some white elves. Um, and I had thought that they used all, that all the humans in this world would be black, and then all the the elves would be the white people, and then the orcs would be like in the place of where black people usually are in these movies. Um, and that would be a really clever way to get the entire audience of all colors to empathize most strongly with black people. Uh, but that's not what they did. They just added in elves and orcs to uh, the world as it is. And fairies, which... And fairies. <sighs> and there's a pretty tasteless joke about that early on where Will Smith says fairy lives don't matter today. Yep. Hmm. hmm. Good. And the uh, the the very first shot of the film is it's uh, it's by Trigger Warning Entertainment. Yeah, that was a bad sign. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the script was just real bad too. Like <clears throat> the one of the one of the first like opening title cards, it tells you that that only a bright can hold a wand, and then they repeat this phrase probably about six times throughout the movie, and you're like, oh. In the first five minutes, you're like, oh, is that because Will Smith is going to be able to hold a wand at the end of the movie? And like, <laughs> you instantly know that that's what's going to happen. And then they like build up to it. And it's just such a disappointing revelation at the end. No, you spoiled the twist. Well, yeah. what, it, so that only a bright can hold a wand also just seems like a terrible sentence yeah like right yeah, like, yeah. Well, like using, using bright as a noun holding yeah. a wand yeah using bright as a noun right like that's like uh okay like you seriously that was the result of all those meetings that you had <laughs> like that let's name the whole movie after that and and then also hold a wand is like that's not cool or intimidating <laughs> yeah, or like yeah. you know Hold, it's holding, like holding it is not the important part <laughs> You yeah, can, you can, only a bright can engage with a wand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Only a bright can be impacted by a wand. <laughs> only a bright can leverage a wand. There you go. <laughs> I mean, like for, for for such a bad phrase to be gone back to over and over and over again just seems Yeah. <sighs> so 
you know, I, especially the more time I've spent actually like doing creative work and putting it in front of people, the more I've at least tried to kind of keep in mind that like nobody wants to make a bad movie. Nobody sure. presumably thinks that they're making a bad movie. I bet that's not true. I bet a lot of people know they're making a bad movie. <laughs> well, I mean, but you don't, like, nobody thinks that, oh, I've written a very bad script and I'm gonna, <laughs> and I'm gonna spend somebody's millions and millions of dollars to film it, even though I'm not very good at this. Right. Right. But like, it does seem, it just, it seems weird to me when something get, something that expensive manages to get out the door while being that bad. Right. I mean, I guess there's I feel like there's a lot of sort of conventional wisdom about uh, Hollywood executives or people in the you know Hollywood related fields um, rising to a, a literally rising to the level where they are just incompetent. Right. And they feel like it's, yeah, the Peter it, principle it is, and it is their duty to provide feedback, even if a thing, even if they have nothing constructive to say, they feel like they're not earning their their. Right, place. right. And they're so they'll give putting feedback. their two cents in, then people think they're not doing their job. They're afraid. Exactly. So, like, it, it'd be this would be an interesting thing to talk to Dave uh, Jose about. Like, sure. how how does this happen? And I'm sure everybody, everybody, you know, every blind man looking at that particular elephant has a different idea of what the problem is. But like, man, I just like I feel like if that was really what was happening. Then every like John Smithy would be the screenwriter of every movie, <laughs> almost that gets released, right? But I don't know. Alan Smithy, Alan Smithy, yeah, it's a, yeah. The, the, not John Smithy. Yeah, okay, sorry. Part of uh, it is also like there's so many different layers. It's written by someone who's often different than the person who is directing it so that they're like, they have read it and interpreted it a particular way. And then it's performed by somebody who might have their own different ideas. And then it's edited by somebody else. So there's, there's so many different layers where the, you can either introduce some sort of mediocrity, I guess, which brings the whole thing down or, or you can elevate like it's, I think it's a two way street. Like a, a particularly brilliant director or actor can can take something that would have otherwise been sort of middle of the middle of the road and and take make it great potentially, or or just have a bright spot in an otherwise mediocre thing. I don't know. I guess I knew Word Realms was bad, and I released it anyway. It's, you're you're in too deep now. Yeah, that's the issue. I knew West of Loathing was good though. Like, and you there was not it anyway. really. And I released it anyway. There was never, but there was never a point where I was like, uh, I think this game is bad. All of the anxiety about that was this, like most games will probably fail. Right. Irrespective of how good it is. Um, I don't know. Maybe we should, maybe we should have just put less effort into writing, Riff. Like, apparently we can get away with that. Like, what if we just went through and made every sentence worse? Yeah. <laughs> just made everything real dumb. You could make a director's cut where you just, like, make all the j- dope the jokes kind of dumb <laughs> we could make a director's cut where we just randomly elide words <laughs> like at display time <laughs> this is just the shorter version of the game uh, this is our, maybe this is that's our... maybe that's the speedrunners version <laughs> <laughs> 
This is our software, which we've called Director, which just deletes words at random. Yeah, that's pretty good. Macromedia Director. Um, did you guys hear? Uh, did you guys hear the announcement today about Sting being a voice actor in Where the Water Tastes Like Wine? Yeah, that's weird, and I wonder. Like, uh, I don't. I don't know that that's really going to make the game better. It's probably going to help sell the game. Yeah. But um, I'm curious, like, I don't think he's doing it for the money. So I wonder why he's doing it. You don't think he's doing it for the money? Yeah. He's, isn't he a billionaire? Well, but you don't get to be a billionaire by not doing stuff for the money, Jim. <laughs> but once you are one, you can stop. Also, I'm guessing Sting is not a billionaire. Yeah, he might not be a billionaire. Anyway, he's, he's pretty well off. I wonder if uh, I, don't know. I wonder if his being on it will create enough sales to pay for how much they have to pay him to do it. Yeah, I really wonder how much they had to pay him. Did that? Do you think this was decided after Yanaman got his publisher? No, oh, yeah, I don't know. Or did, was that the first thing? That was the first thing he did when he left Fulbright. Was like, all right, step one: spend forty percent of the money that I made <laughs> from Gone Home to lock down Sting. For I don't know what game I'm gonna make yet, Gordon, but I know you're gonna voice a animal in it. <laughs> it sounded pretty good, but I don't. I don't know. Like, I think VO is a waste of money. Period. So it's hard to <laughs> it's hard for me to get excited about an actor. Like when I think about a big name actor in a video game, I think about how, well, yeah, I mean, I guess that one part of Oblivion where just a canned speech is being delivered to you by Patrick Stewart, that was fine, you know, because that was just like an actor acting and not having to do anything like interactively. And all of the interactive VO in Elder Scrolls games is pretty terrible. <laughs> but uh I don't know. Doesn't he get killed, like, right away? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Patrick Stewart's character dies in the intro. Yeah. So, like, he just sort of... They didn't have that much budget. Yeah. They, they wanted didn't. to put his name on the marketing, but not pay him that much. That makes sense. I wouldn't want to either. Do you get paid less if your character dies? I mean, you get paid <laughs> by the line, I think, or by the day. We were talking about whether Sting needed the money or not today. I joke that maybe he pays his taxes like he fucks, and it takes him like 10 years to pay one year's worth of income tax, and it's finally caught up with him. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, have you guys played any video games? Speaking of... What are they... What is it that Ryan says? What a wood to the wood? I've been saying Wudutulu. Wudutulu, okay. I don't know if he picked up on that or not. I bet that game is going to be good. I'm curious. I, I really want it to do really well. I bet it's going to have good writing in it. Oh yeah, we know it's going to have good writing in it, right? I mean, don't we know? We know some of the people who wrote for it, and we know of a lot of the people who wrote for it. Yeah, there's a lot of really good writers on it. I mean, it's a game about writing. I wonder to what extent it is voiced. I wonder if every line is voiced. Oh yeah, that's a good question. That seems like. It's crazy for a game with a ton of writing in it. Yeah. I would hope not. Man, if it, it's it's so, like, I know you agree with me <laughs> on this, right? That, like, generally speaking, you feel like VO is a bad... Oh, yeah. I has been really bad agree. for games. I yeah. think it makes games worse, yes. Yeah. 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 I um, mean, it, it depends. Like... <sighs> It depends how it's used, but like if 
one thing it definitely does is it locks in your writing earlier in the production. Right. And you can't fix problems with it after that without going in re-recording and that makes it harder to, to polish. Um, That's actually a question that I have. Like, why don't they just do scratch audio until the game is really ready and then record the audio? I guess because you need to match it to animations and stuff or? Yeah, there's a lot of production that has to happen after the audio is recorded, but like, and also, I mean, you got to work your schedule around a bunch of other people who have other shit to do. Right. right? Like they're. And that's another problem is that like people choose the voice actors by who's going to, who's going to sell the game best. You know, like Firewatch is an extremely notable exception to that. That game would not have been nearly as good without VO. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think. Um, and I think it also just has it, like it was just done better than mm-hmm. in almost anything. I think the, the same is true of like the walking dead, the super giant guys do a good job. Um, that yeah. though, they don't ever really have to, um, there's never like the sort of uncanny Valley disconnect thing, right? You're usually looking at a still image of somebody when you're hearing VO and one of those, yeah. but or it's just yeah, a narrator. Well, yeah. 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 Well, the reason I bring it up is that like, uh, I know at least for bastion, they, um, brought in that the actor repeatedly over the course of development many many times. Yeah, same with Firewatch. Yeah. They they did a bunch of revisions and a bunch of like sort of unscheduled like ah oh, fuck I hope we can get yeah these two people in here again. And in all of those cases, those were people doing recording in more or less home studios. So I wonder yeah, if that that's is true. Part of the I wonder if that is part of the equation is you, you can't do it if it's a situation where you're only going to be recording people in like professional studios and all that ex- extra expense and scheduling and hassle and stuff. Mm-hmm. And also the way the, the voiceover is used in those games, like it doesn't, it doesn't interrupt your playing at all. So I never, right. I never worried I, about it because like the, the narrator in Bastion or, or talking to the other person over the radio in, in, uh, in, uh, uh uh, wow, I totally just blanked the Campo Firewatch. Firewatch. Firewatch, yeah. Um, or like the barks of, from guards in, in a stealth game or whatever. That's fine because it's just something you hear while you're playing. Uh, yeah. what, what I super hate is when, like, if it's a cutscene or something and you're there having to choose between slowly listening to the speech or reading it quickly, and then mashing the button so that the text advances. So you hear like the first half of every sentence while right. in your in your ear while you're trying to read. And it's just and that's, yeah, it's a terrible yeah. experience. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, that was actually one of the things that um in in Wurutulu, I think um there's so much downtime during just the moving around the overworld map part of the game that if you could be listening to someone tell you these stories while you move around rather than having a bunch of downtime and then sitting and reading for a while, yeah, I think that yeah. would help the pacing a lot. So if that, if they do that, then that actually would make the, the voiceover would improve the game. Robots like just a, just voice synthesis would also be fine. <laughs> Some, someday that will be, that will be at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder. We're, I we're nearly there, yeah. 
It's it's mm, not, not I don't know if we're not quite yet, but we're getting closer. I don't know. I mean, you can't like I don't know. Right now, you can't tell even the most sophisticated voice synthesis. Like, okay, now get sad for this part. Okay, now get mad true. for this part. That's you know, so like that's gonna be. Um, but I mean, if it's like all you're doing is telling me how many how many uh, whatever you need me to take to Commander. Yeah. Wolf Chow in Wolf Cram Chow. Hollow Dale. Yeah. What is what did Wolf Hollow want you to take him in, uh, in take, or take Wolf the, Chow? Take this bag of jelly to Commander Wolf Chow in Cram Hollow Dale. <laughs> what is yeah. this? That was Lore Schoberg's like example of an MMO quest. <laughs> so if all they're doing is saying that, then it doesn't matter. There's not going to yeah. be any inflection anyway, because no one at any point in that sentence's life cared about it at all. Right. <laughs> like It'll be interesting when they can use it to uh, if if they can take like the the actor that's doing the main voiceover and get enough voiceover from them so that a computer can reasonably mimic their voice and then use that to splice in the custom character name that you've made into the sentence instead of oh, yeah. having to elide it every time. They could just have uh, that. They could have every actor say every name. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like they did with the that one robot in Fallout 4. Yeah, what that wasn't there were only like a couple hundred names that they had that. Yeah, yeah. Only only a couple right. of hundred. <laughs> well, but that's but, not but yeah, get. that the actor can say a couple hundred names in in uh Yeah. Not really. Yeah, no that's fine. Uh it I wonder how many And do you think they only had to say it once? Cuz it was like how are you doing, Dave? It's good to see you again, Dave. Yeah, like, probably because it's a robot, right? So it doesn't. Uh, well. it's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's but robot, robots in Fallout have robots in Fallout sound like uh, sassy British prisses. <laughs> uh, um, I wonder. Like, also though, in Fallout, you can name your character like Dick Shorts, <laughs> McPoopy Pants, right? So, like. I wonder how many names you would have to record before you got 75% of like coverage actual people's names who were playing. Yeah. I bet it would be a bunch. I you could definitely find that uh, information out probably in 10 minutes of googling is my guess. Well, I mean, it depends on what your search space is, right? Like US census names oh, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Like, but yeah, yeah that, I mean, that, I guess that's you wouldn't get Gareth <laughs> you don't think you'd get Gareth? Not in the U.S. census. What about uh, Jareth? <laughs> Maybe. Did they have a census in the labyrinth? They yeah. had like you they had the movie, some sort of the David Bowie movie, the labyrinth infrastructure because they had those guys with the huge like whirring blade drill things that cl- that were the cleaners. Okay, right. And so the implication was that they were performing a public service mm-hmm. by cleaning the tunnels. Um, they've done a really terrible job based on too. So, right, right. I mean, I mean Sir Didymus, a, a Sir Didymus must have derived his power from somewhere. Oh yeah, right? somebody like, had to have knighted him. Yeah, I don't know. Unless he's just a Ronin. <laughs> um, do you think the Fire Gang were uh, just organized oh, cr- criminals? The fire Gang gave me nightmares when I was a little kid. They were the worst. I just. 
I just like, I'm like, oh, this is the bad part of the movie. <laughs> like every time it, every time it showed up, I was like, oh, good. I, every time I would rewatch the movie, even if it had only been a year or two, cause I was like 11 years old, I would be like, all right, fuck, this movie has fucking songs in it. <laughs> I bet Wikipedia definitely has a page for the census. Okay. Yeah. The imperial census. How many, like, if you are doing a census of multiple planets, how do you determine what time interval? This is a weird thing, right? Like it's probably based on based on, you know, 10 years in at on the planet of the seat right. of power. Yeah. If you're doing a census where a bunch of people are clones. <clears throat> oh yeah. No. That makes it impossible. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that I don't think that actually does anything because it's like if you have identical twins, in the U.S., you have to declare both of them on your census form. It's not well, just like I was thinking Jeff more like with a two I, in parentheses. If I want to win the <laughs> vote in X District two. Eight, if I want to win the vote in District Eight, I just spawn a bunch of clones there. You know, eighteen years before I want to win that vote, right? <laughs> huh. oh, right. Huh. I don't know. I mean, I think with that kind of foresight, you're exactly the leader we need in these troubled <laughs> times, Kevin. <laughs> Play any video games, Jim? I played uh, I played Pokemon Go. Huh. Um, we did a uh, we've just been picking it up a little bit again, just as an excuse to go walking places. Um, we went walking in a whale um a whalemer nest, which was what? exciting because there were whalemers everywhere. Oh, What's a whale? Okay. Oh, oh, that's a Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I thought. <laughs> You were, I thought this was a real thing in the world that you had it gone is. exploring. It is. It's a whale nest. Okay. Whalemers floating around. What is whalemer? A, it's kind of a whale. Joke about though. What's? It's a. It's a whale. What is it? Upgrade into a whale lord. Ha. Huh. Okay. So uh, mer becomes a lord. Uh, Rift, can you explain this? Nope. <laughs> okay. I mean, there's not really any more to it than that. Okay, that's what I thought. So a mermaid becomes a lord maid. That makes sense. Sure. The are there lord any other things that start as mers and become lords? No, Riff. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, this mesmer. Sometimes they just meslord. Sometimes they just pick a thing and do yeah, it. I mean, mm. most most Pokemon names are puns, but I don't. I, yeah, Except I don't, for I don't, the seal and the dugong. Yeah, which are just. The names of those things. <laughs> right. What's the car keys one? That's clef key. Mm. <laughs> I think. So you went to a Whalmer nest. Yeah, we got a bunch of Whalmer Whalmer candy. It was exciting. Did, did I used up all? My, I used all my pinat berries. Did you get kicked out of the Best Buy that the Whalmer <laughs> nest was in for loitering? No, it was in a public park. Mm. And everybody in the park, like there were, I probably passed like three hundred people all collecting whale lords. Is is this like a special event that happened? Or I think it. I think the nests are like are are temporal. Yes. Hmm. How did people find out about them? Uh, I think that they hurt. I don't know. I don't How did know you find out about it? I found out about it by word of mouth. Like someone telling me there's a bunch of whalers yeah. over here. There's there's websites that are attempting to figure out, like, because from 
as far as I'm aware, the way it works is that the the nest locations are basically static, but what spawns out of that nest changes at a regular interval. So there are websites that are trying to figure out what the pattern is and predict what the next thing is going to be coming out of each nest. Oh, interesting. Okay. It seems like if the if whatever company what's the company them Niantic. Niantic Niantic if Niantic didn't want people to predict that stuff as soon as it was figured out they could just change it yeah like yeah. it would probably literally just be changing a single number that was the RNG yeah, seed, the seed for, or whatever yeah like yeah <laughs> the seed yeah. seems the uh, the uh shoot what's yeah. a, what's a seed pokemon quick uh <laughs> the ex- the execute <laughs> Seedmer and Seedlord. <laughs> Don't some of them have three phases? Yeah. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> well, uh, one we, example. Um, All the starter have, Pokemon have three phases. Squirtle, Squirtle Boy. Squir- Squirtle Jr. Squirt- yeah. Squirtle the Third. Squirt- Squirtle Man. Yeah. <laughs> Grandpa Squirtle. Squirtle, Squirtmer, Squirtlord. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And we we ran into a a raid at uh, near near the uh, Hayward Century Theater. Uh, We were just, we were watching a movie, I forget which one, and there was a raid happening and we just walked up to it and there was a guy there saying that there's going to be a big group of people doing the raid soon. He was wearing a Team Rocket hoodie, so you know he was legit. Uh, um, what is a raid? And, Can you t- explain what a raid is? In this, I don't understand. So, yeah, so the uh, the gyms. Do you know what a gym is? Uh, only vaguely. Yeah. But- so, so a gym is. Um, no, I have to explain gyms now. Yeah, I don't even know myself. Explain yourself, Jim. The Crawford Experience. So a gym is a place that um, can be taken over by any of the three teams. Um, and when a team owns a gym, they can uh, drop Pokemon in to guard it. Um, and then in order to, um, take the gym for your own team, you have to, um, beat down all the, uh, all the Pokemon that are, that are in the gym right now. Um, and the raid replaces that. So like while the raid is going, you can't fight the Pokemon that are guarding the gym. You can only fight a uh, Pokemon that has spawned there that is extra powerful. Um, often it's a legendary, but sometimes you just get like, regular Pokemon that are just boosted in strength. Um, and they're tuned so that you want to have uh, more than one person to take this thing down. And so this was, a uh, um, I forget its real name. I called it Groupon. Uh, but, it's this, <laughs> but it's this, oh, it was a Groudon or Groudon or something like that. It was this big red lizard thing, uh, with like 50,000 CP. Which oh, is right. which is okay. a high number. That's a legendary um, guy from one of the games that I've not played very much. Okay, yeah. Um, and 
what what happened was we talked to this guy. He said, "Hey, there are going to be a bunch of people here in like fifteen minutes." So we walked a few blocks away and then back in in fifteen minutes, and there were like twelve people like gearing up to fight this Grudon. What does it mean to fight? I think like throwing balls at it. So fighting is basically like you basically just tap repeatedly um, to yeah, to like, make your Pokemon do the thing. Yeah, tap 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 fills up your meter, and then I think you can you can yeah, swipe you, to unleash your powerful move one, when the meters. Fall. Once you fill up your um, your your move meter, you can push the the button attached to it to uh, unleash a special move. And also, there's a dodge thing where you can swipe left or right to dodge and attack, but like. I've never been able to find, like, to, to successfully predict when mm. uh, the uh, the opponent is going to do a special attack. So, like, that's never been useful for me. I haven't me. played it for a while, I'd, so I don't know if they've changed it or not. But there used to be a notice of, of like, a white flash you can spot right before it okay. happens. Yeah, maybe I just haven't been paying attention. Yeah. it it It, it is definitely the sort of thing you don't tend to notice until it's been pointed out to you that it happens. Right. Um, and then once you all uh, defeat this, uh, the raid Pokemon, then you have a chance to capture it, and you're given a certain number of um, special balls to do so. Um, uh, more if you are on the team that did the most damage. And so uh, we we both uh, were lucky enough to come back with uh, a Grudon, which is exciting. Um and the weird, the the funny thing is though, like there were like twelve people here, and we sort of spoke to each other just to kind of like make sure we were all doing the same thing. Um, but then like after the raid was over, everybody just walked away without another word. It was a very hmm. silent form of socialization. It was it was a little bit like uh, when there's an earthquake and everybody gathers in the common area and say, "Oh yeah, you feel that," and then and then. You just walk away. So afterwards. raid stands for a reluctant array of insecure dorks. <laughs> that was <laughs> all four of those. Yes. Anything else? Uh, I uh, I played a game called. Um, I don't think I talked about this before, uh, but although I I played it like a month ago. I called. I played a game called Macbat sixty four. Um. How do you spell that? M a c b a t. Mm. And if you look at screenshots of this, um, it becomes obvious why it has the 64 in it. It's because it, it, it's trying to look like a Nintendo 64 game, which on its face is a really dumb idea because those games are incredibly ugly. Um, but it kind of, um, that, that appearance evokes a certain kind of, um, of game design that you don't see that much these days. And so I was interested in it. Um, and it is basically a rare platformer uh with um the constraints like with with enough constraints placed on it that it can be made by a single person uh which is to say like it um it has a whole bunch of different like settings that you travel through and a whole like a a bunch of different activities that you take part in but all the settings are basically like one room um and there are, there's no way to die, so that the the guy who was making it didn't have to fine tune the difficulty of any gameplay. Uh, so it was, 
a, a weird, like, um, like brushing up against trying to be a rare platformer without what, any sort of. What is a of... rare platformer? So, uh, rare was, uh, 49% owned by Nintendo during the N64 years. And they made a bunch of, um, they did like the Banjo Kazooie, like the Banjo Kazooie games. They made GoldenEye 007. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't rare also make like wizards and warriors. Yeah. But they made a bunch like they, they've been around since like early eighties. Donkey Kong country. Yeah. They made Donkey Kong country. That was, I believe Donkey Kong country was what, why Nintendo bought them. I thought you, I thought you were using rare as a particular kind of platformer. And I was trying I mean, to imagine the, like a like it's a really hard platformer because there aren't very many platforms or something. Oh, like I see. No, rare in the sense that people don't make them very much. Yeah, right. They're, they 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 uh, they sell real well on bootleg sites. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. And it was like a it it. So th- this guy apparently has made a bunch of these, and I'm I'm interested in like I should probably just see which one has the best Metacritic score and just play that one. But it was like a, a weird, like, it's like, it's like an hour and a half long, um, very, it, it, it felt like it was almost apologizing for not being the real thing just by the, the, um, just by the, the spareness of it. Um, yeah. So it was a spare rare. <laughs> Uh, and I played um, Hidden Folks. Oh, nice. Uh, wow. That's a cute game. Which just came out on Android, I think. Um, and it's... So you guys have talked about this before. It's a game where it's like basically a hidden object game where you have some, like, you can tap on the world to interact with it and you're trying yeah. to find certain objects in the game. Like an interactive I was really, Waldo, yeah. Yeah, kind of. I was really frustrated by, like, how... The objects are small enough that they're basically all just a mess of pixels. Mm. And so it's really hard to mm. like, I, I mean, I can, I can see what each one is if I look closely at it, but like, can you zoom I can't, in at all? You can zoom in, but like it, you, it doesn't increase the resolution of the mess of pixels. It's oh. still a mess of pixels. They're just larger now. Um, and I don't know if this is a, Maybe this is just on Android. Maybe it's it's like great on a Retina screen yeah, or something. Was, I don't know. I I only played it on iPad, so it had plenty of real estate. So I don't know what. Yeah, it's this like seems like phone. the last game that you would want to play on a phone sized yeah. screen. Well, you you can totally zoom in. Because um, I mean, I think of that game as looking pretty nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The and of course the problem. With I mean, zooming not... in is that you have to know where to zoom in. So you still have right. to be able to kind of see what it is zoomed out. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it was just a mistake to play this on a on a on a phone. Um, I I actually like the art, but like, it's it's when you're trying to like looking at a bunch of human figures and figure out which one has the spiky hair or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, is it also possible that you're going blind, Jim? I. I can see if I zoom in, I can see the edges of the individual pixels. So I'm pretty sure it's not my eyes. Okay. But I appreciate your concern. <laughs> but I ended up. And the, the other thing that, that was kind of frustrating for me was that like, I, 
there's a bunch of things at the bottom of the screen that you have to find. Um, like at the bottom of the screen is a, by, by which I mean, there's a list of things that's showing you like, here's 10 objects to find and keeping all of those in my head was just impossible. Oh, yeah. And like, and like the I'll idea of time. Yeah. The idea of like going over the entire map, looking for one for just one of the 10 things and then doing that 10 times was just complete anathema to me. So I ended up tapping on everything that just, just everything that looked interesting but that, and I that's got often through. rewarded, though, right? Like that's like yeah, and it it is, and it was, enter- it it often entertaining things did happen, but it did make me feel like I was cheating, you know. I got to like level five doing that. I I think that that's their intended uh, methodology for play, honestly, because if if you were only meant to click on the things that they're asking you to find, then why would they reward you with little fun interactions in other places? Right. Like, yeah, that's fair. I think, I think you're meant to be tapping around and then get down to one or two after you've sort of explored the space and be like, okay, where are these last couple? I think that's my impression of how it's meant to be played. And it, I, I felt that that sort of flow was pretty good where you'd, you'd sort of traverse the whole space, sort of taking in the like little narrative and, and seeing the, the scenery and stuff. And then, while you're doing that, you happen, you know, you stumble across like 80% of them or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I should go back and uh, play one of the levels that has just like two things left and just look for those two things. What about you, Riff? What have you been playing? Uh, pretty much all I played was uh, Kingsfield 2 or well, Kingsfield 2 in the United States, Kingsfield 3 elsewhere. Uh, because uh, how many hours have you put into that about? Oh, I don't think I'm up to 10 hours yet. Okay. Can can you remind me what kind of game it is? I feel like you talked about it a little it bit last is, week, but I forgot. It's a, it's a first-person dungeon crawler, basically. Uh, if you imagine kind of like... Uh, ooh, kind of, I guess imagine like a Skyrim in the Doom engine. Okay. Um... That that kind of would give you a picture of that, uh, and then the 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 Kingsfield Four was a PlayStation Two game, so that's more like Skyrim and the Quake engine. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, I've been enjoying it. It it really scratches that like that sort of lonely exploring a dungeon, uh, being real careful about seeing traps and things like that, and. Uh, figuring out uh you know where you are in relation to where you're trying to go and things like that it's uh, it's real good it's it's uh, like i say it's not uh like i kingsfield 4 is obviously and definitely better just because the geography and geometry is much more uh complex and the textures look better but uh it's still real fun did you finish that one four yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's pr- Kingsfield 4 is probably in my top five video games. Oh, wow. Definitely in my top ten, but possibly in my top five. Can you only play that on PlayStation? Uh, You know, I don't know. It it might also be, even if it is PS2 only, it might be emulatable. I don't know what the the status of PS2 emulation is. 
Yeah, everything I've heard about Kingsfield 4 makes me sound sound like I might actually enjoy it. Mm, yeah. Like I'm reluctant to go back to try going back to it because like games of that era are so often it it really... takes some it takes some uh getting accustomed to because it's it's uh it's a very slow moving game. It's not like you don't sprint around like in Quake. Your character is definitely walking and it takes several right. seconds to do a 360 turn. Uh so everything's real deliberate, and combat is like carefully strafing around a monster, trying to get to its back so that you can attack it without it hitting you. And, and yeah, well, and maybe sort of uh, maybe in the emulators they have mouse look support. That could be possibly. Yeah, looks like it is only PS2, right? So, oh well. Maybe I'll watch a video of somebody else playing. <laughs> <laughs> or you could get a PS2. I mean, that's probably pretty cheap. Yeah, I probably have a PS2 somewhere in a bucket. But do you have a TV that can hook up to a PS2? <laughs> no, I don't know. Eh, you can probably get a get a cable adapter that would do it. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I wonder. I don't think the PS2 ever did HDMI out. So, what's an exciting thing that happened to you in this video game? Like, what's a cool memory that you have of this dungeon? Uh, of the 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 one I've been playing recently, Kingsfield Three. Yes. Uh, let's I thought you said see. two. Uh, well, it was both. It's, it's both. both. Yeah. yeah, Kingsfield One wasn't released in the United States, so for us this was Kingsfield Two. But for the Jap- Japanese, it's Kingsfield Three. What is the titular Kingsfield? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe that's something that you only learn in the very first one. Mm. So we will. Isn't that like a graveyard for kings? <laughs> I never understood if a Potter's Field, like a Potter's Field, is where you bury like. People who can't afford gravestones or whatever, right? But is it like who's the potter? Like where? Like where does that? Uh, I always assumed it, like, it was just named after a guy. It's named after like Colonel Potter <laughs> from Mash. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what they. Yeah, that makes sense. Harry S. Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. It really, really, it's technically called Harry S. Morgan's Field. That's where you. <laughs> that's where you bury. Uh, let's see. What's something in particular interesting? Oh, I felt, uh, I felt really smart because there's a, um, uh, there's a, the, there's an area that I've just recently finished with that has a bunch of doors that unlock with the style of key where you like stick a thing on a plinth and that unlocks the door next to it, but that key stays there. So if you want the key back to use on a different door, then you're now relocking the first door so that you can go unlock the second door. And I found the route through the maze that would allow me to get to the end while still keeping all of the keys so that in the next area, there's a thing that you can only open if you have all four of those keys. So I was able to get it. So that was fun. What was it? Uh, what was the thing that I got? Uh, yeah. what was it? Oh, I think it was a, uh, it was a crystal that upgraded my fire magic. Mm. Yep. And also, Can also use- a secret door that led to a room that requires a fifth one of those keys to lock or to unlock. So I have to go find another one of those keys now. Hmm. Do, uh, do, can you use fire magic? Like how simulation y is this? thing like can you use fire magic to like burn a wooden door or no, like 
No, it's just it's just a uh, it might as well be an arrow or whatever. Although I think there is some I have seen some targets that presumably I could uh like I've seen through a window a thing that looks like a target that I could hit with an arrow to possibly open a secret panel, but I don't have a bow yet. <laughs> so I don't know if that's the case. So I guess there is possibly some simulation like that, but the the fireball spell that I have now appears to just be damage just for shooting monsters yeah shooting monsters uh, a lot of skeletons they're they're pretty good skeletons they uh a lot of them we are, love those here on video games hot dog that's true and they're they're real bastards they're tough they're they're not uh they're not the wussy like second thing you kill after you're killing rats like most videos. This is not your grandfather's skeleton. That's right. These are these are <laughs> and rude thank ass God skeletons. that would be. <laughs> these are rude. Oh man, yeah, that would be terrible. How how did you know? How did you know about my grandpa's very specific looking leg fracture? <laughs> um. All right. What about you, Kevin? What have you been? Oh, sorry, you weren't done. Oh well, the the uh, really only th- other thing I had to say is that it's real satisfying in the way. Like when you go into a new area and you're at first you're like like real cautious and nervous about how anything could jump out at you at any moment, but then after you've cleared the area and have gone on to the next area, when you whenever you have to like backtrack back to town for whatever reason, you're just cruising through that old area like you totally own it. And so it it has that real satisfaction of of having learned the Is environment. That- do the enemies respawn? Are you doing that despite having to fight those guys again? Some enemies do and some don't. Uh, it seems like they're like if you the first time you go into a room, there are five skeletons in it, then maybe one of those skeletons will regularly respawn. Okay. And then and like Monsters that are like obvious choke points will frequently not be tagged for respawning. Hmm. Yep, good game. I recommend it. I recommend the whole series. Are you playing it on like a PS4? Uh, I am playing. I I am playing uh, uh, Kingsfield Three on emulator. I played okay. Kingsfield Four, uh, which in America is called Kingsfield: The Ancient City. I played that on a PS3, which still had the PS2 emulation chip in it. Okay. But in Japan, it was the PS3 yeah, with, with the PS1 <laughs> emulation. It was called the PlayStation The Ancient City. Okay. Yes. In right. Japan, the Nintendo was called the PlayStation. Right. <laughs> called M. Bison. Uh, what a weird thing. Like... It being pointed, like, just seeing Balrog, which was just a Mike Tyson clone, and then seeing a character named M. Bison, and never making that connection until it was, like, pointed out, at which point it was like, oh, right, that's very obvious that that's... And wasn't the... wasn't M. Bison supposed to be Vega? Yeah. And the guy, like, the guy with the knives was supposed to be Balrog. Mike Tyson was supposed to be M. Bison. Yeah, that's And the Spaniard right. was supposed to be Vega. Oh. He was a Spaniard, right? Or am I just thinking of that because I think of yeah. Raul Julia as being a Spaniard <laughs> and Raul Julia played M. Bison? The American know if Raul Julia's... Vega was a Spaniard, yeah. The guy with the hockey mask and the knives. Um, 
Well, but he was supposed to be Balrog. Yeah, I don't know. Because a Balrog's like a monster, you know? You would think hmm. so. What do you think? I wonder what a Balrog actually is in mythology. Probably wasn't that lava thing that Ian McKellen fought. Did, no, is do we is have that a, a thing the, from mythology, or did uh, did Jared yeah. Tolkien invent that? Yeah, I'm assuming it's a thing from Norse mythology, because almost everything was. Well, if we have a monster manual here, we could just clear this up right now. We or we could go listen to the appropriate episode of Monster in My Podcast yeah. and insert yeah, it right here. Man, Monster in My Podcast is one of my favorite things. It's really that, good. It's, it, that's, 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 almost, that's almost an example of a daily podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it definitely could be. Because, I mean, like, I always want them to be longer, but I'm probably glad that they're not. Right. Yeah. Because it, like part of why they're so good is because they're just this distilled like, all right, these are the first five ideas we had for dick jokes. <laughs> right. Let's, <laughs> let's move on. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, what have you been playing? Uh, I have not had a ton of time to play games with all the mystery hunt prep, but uh, the game that I've been playing um, in my off hours is Prey. Um, I f- like last week I had just basically scratched the surface of it. Uh, and I've spent a, a fair bit more time. Um, I just got to the point recently where uh, I unlocked the whole other half of the um, sort of upgradable abilities that you get. Oh, yeah. Um, where is that spatially? Where do you do that? Uh, that happens at the beginning of... Uh, what region is that, actually? forgetting how this because i'm i I could every opportunity to like go and explore an area that isn't sort of on the main quest line i've taken so i'm yeah getting all the areas kind of screwed up in my head um it's 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 funny like i i um was definitely like shying away from side quests in this game because for the first half of it i was actually pretty scared of um most of the most of the enemies in it yeah they're they're hard um and I'm, but I'm wondering, like, I imagine, like, you you doing all of the the side content, you're probably beefed up pretty well by now. I I definitely I feel like I probably have uh more um of the like upgrade tokens or whatever those things are called the the hype whatever Psy- the psycho stems what what whatever are they, they are yeah neuromods neuromods jeez yeah and it's uh, psychometrics I think is where you get the Right. First thing. Um, yeah. And I, I like very early on because I, I remember because you, I, you know, you guys talked about it on the podcast a fair bit. So I sort of had some spoilers. So I knew that there were going to be like another bunch of skill trees and stuff. Um, and I knew that there was some possibility of being able to make neuromods, but that they might be limited. But I got I got the plans and unlocked the un- like and made them unlimited in within like two minutes of each other. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, OK. Um, clearly this is, I, I have actually done the, a fair bit of that. I have done something that seems like it was supposed to be something for later. Like, I think I was supposed to find, uh, the neuromod like schematics somewhere else and then like be frustrated that it was limited and then on like make it unlimited or, yeah, um, I think that's I, the intended path. I was outside the space station and sort of chugging around just sort of checking it out and i saw like this gash in the hole where it was like leaking air i was like oh that doesn't seem good so i i just because it seemed like a thing that i would do i just 
sealed it up with the glue gun um and then uh got to a point where it's like uh where it's like you need to go into this room uh but you can't get in there because it's it's there's an air problem oh wait no it's solved you just get to go in (laughs) and i was like okay (laughs) um and similarly i think like in that in very early on there's like a a hidden briefcase where you're supposed to find a key or something and your brothers left you a note for it. And I found that immediately. And I think it's, it, it, uh, skipped a whole section of dialogue because I had already done the thing that it was going to tell me, which was weird. So, yeah, that, um, that it is weird when you get ahead of games and they don't quite have like scripting to acknowledge it. Yeah. It was cause it was like, I, I came down to an area where I was supposed to meet a, a drone and instead got a bit of dialogue from another drone. It was like, that drone you met before was a, was an imposter. And I was like, I didn't ever meet them because you destroyed, like, mm. it was just, it just, it was every now and then there's been these sort of weird things because I think I'm being a little overzealous about right. exploration. Like how when you're doing a quest in World of Warcraft and you kill the named guy in that zone and then go back to the hub and they say, okay, go kill such and such. And you're like, oh, I already killed that yep. guy, but I guess yeah. I can go do it again. <laughs> Somehow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one thing they fixed. Count. I think they've fixed that now. Have they? Yeah, one thing I had heard about um, Warhammer Online was that yeah, they had functionality yeah. in there, like that was like, "Oh, I see you've killed ten bears. Here's yeah. your reward." Bears, bears, bears," said Paul Barnett, right? <laughs> Famously, uh, man, it's too bad that that game sucks because it had a lot of cool ideas in it. But World of Warcraft stole most of the good ones. Oh, good. How like uh, this setting? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, how would somebody just look at you and be like, I see that you have killed 10 bears. <laughs> oh, you are covered with about 10 bears worth of blood, I see. Yeah, you do, you have either have a very specific or a very careless way of killing bears. <laughs> I mean, I guess the assumption is that every animal you kill, you keep some kind of trophy from that's just not pictured. <laughs> no, and it guess- should be pictured, though. Bear ears would be good. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. yeah, and and maybe they're actually reacting to you like, yeah, you have ten bear ears in your inventory or something. Bear. You asses. can only get one. Yeah. you can only get one per bear because you just you just lop off the last three letters, and then you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's seventy five percent of the bear. That's a lot to lug around. It is a lot. <laughs> uh, anyway, prey is fantastic. I really, really like it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised, but I'm I'm delighted that you're. It, yeah, that's one really, of my favorite games from last year. It's really responding very well to my playstyle, and I think I have realized that I more or less play these games uh, like this and Deus Ex and stuff like that, like as if they were puzzle games. Like mm. the encounters are discreet enough, where you know I'll save the game, I'll like have an encounter, and if it goes okay. If I sort of figured it out the first time, I'll keep going, but I'll often be like, I spent a bunch of resources. I took way too much damage in this fight, and I'm going to go back and see if there's a more clever way to approach this. Um, and yeah, it's, those know, games it's, are, sorry, it, go no, on. Go ahead. It's, it, it's, it, there are so many different ways that you can like handle any given encounter. You know, you've got a lot of tools at your disposal. You've got a lot of sort of tactical choices that you're making, uh, it it really I feel like it really responds well to to bank, making a bunch of different choices. I, I feel like I've solved stuff in ways that made me feel very clever. Um, 
but that were clearly part of the systemic options available to me, you know? Yeah. Um, like w- one way that it differs from traditional puzzle games is that you have to make the decision like of, did I solve that puzzle well enough? Sure. Because yeah. I might not have enough resources to solve the next five of them if I exactly. don't go back and do it better. Not having a sense of how big the game, I mean, the game has like sort of a map and I'm, you know, I've maybe explored a third or a, you know, a third of it probably, um, in ter- if, if all the areas are roughly equally large. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't have a sense of whether the game ends close to when you've explored everything or whether there's, there's more plot that happens. And so I've, I've been very sort of careful about trying to gather and, and sort of stretch out my resources. And that I feel like is paying off because it seems like there are getting to be a bigger and meaner enemies that, that use up a lot of ammo to defeat. And I know you guys talked about like near the end of the game, just avoiding stuff, getting from place to place. For me, that happened pretty early, actually. Like I was avoiding things that were avoidable pretty early. And I I can definitely see that uh, desire because it's, they really do just like to, when you come back to an area that had been previously empty, just fill it with new obstacles um and it sucks because like my instinct is to poke around and look in every drawer and loot every trash can and stuff and you can't do that if you're having to avoid these monsters that you just don't want to bother fighting right right Uh, but if if you view each monster encounter as a puzzle to be solved uh then you'd get to have that that sort of pleasure a bunch (laughs) and i do like i it, it it's it's neat trying to trying to think of ways to like use the environment or whatever to, to help you. Um, like- yeah, it was, I remember it always being fun. If I was like, if I got stuck in a spot where it's like, well, shit, I quick saved, but I'm like more or less out of ammo. So like, what is in this room that I could have been using to fight this guy? If I'd been more careful in the first place. So like, <laughs> okay. So there's like three gas tanks that I could throw at him and use three bullets to shoot and do way more damage or like whatever. And so just, but then I end up just quick loading and making sure every throw is perfect every time. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I mean, when, I think I appreciate that that's a possibility when when you're in a tight spot and you're you don't want to just start over or go back three saves or whatever. You know, like I, I like that you yep. can you can sort of finagle the systems to your liking, and they really they they let you do that, and it doesn't seem like they judge you for it or whatever. Um, the plot seems interesting. I, you know, I, I, again, you, it seems like you, uh, the, the, the feedback I, that I've heard is that it, it doesn't sort of deliver at the end or whatever, sort of, or there's something weird that happens at the end. I, it, it's, it's strange knowing like a fair bit about this, but not really anything of substance, uh, going mm-hmm. into it. So, um, and you've still got all the Deus Ex games ahead of you too. Oh yeah. What Deus Ex games? I'm sorry, uh, Dishonored. Oh, Jim, yeah, Jim yeah. knew what I was talking about. <laughs> but didn't. I thought for some reason that there was a whole like secret set of Deus Ex games that you hadn't mentioned to me. <laughs> oh man, like that dream, like that dream where you find a secret door behind your dresser and it's <laughs> a secret copy of Deus Ex Four behind your dresser. Oh man, you could play Deus Ex Go. I think Kevin probably already exhaustively played Deus Ex Go. Oh, okay. They added like a whole user created content section of that, and it was 
interesting but also kind of dissatisfying like people were able to make some really interesting difficult uh levels um but you didn't get to choose which ones you solved really they just sort of kept throwing them at you and some of them were really bad and some of them were amazing um but it was it was kind of unpleasant sort of wading through all that no oh, yeah um, it's it's too bad you couldn't like just follow a creator you like or something yeah exactly Play anything else? Uh, not really. I mean, I've continued to to play my daily puzzle games. A um, little bit more causality. Uh, that that gets more and more interesting. Uh, I don't know if you played it and or stuck with it at all. I did not. I only played the first handful of levels after I uh, downloaded. I every time I pick up my phone, I just now instinctively run Cinco Pows the way that I had been, the way that I would have instinctively run Twitter for the last five years. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> I guess the games are so short. Didn't you, uh, it looks like you, if if I was interpreting it correctly, you were on the first level and somehow got yourself into an unwinnable situation. Was that, was that what that? Yeah, that was the point. That was the point of the screenshot that I posted. It was just an extremely unlucky sequence of like transubstantiations. Question. And, uh, uh, if, if you, if something's asleep, and you step next to it. Does it wake up on that turn when you wait when you step next to it? So it, you... it, yeah, it gets, you get one free hit basically if something is asleep. Okay. So if something has two hit points and it's asleep, you can definitely kill it without being injured. Okay. So you could have has... you could have beaten that level, right? Like no, because there were two four hit point bad guys, and I had like two hit points left or three hit points left. Oh, okay. Um. I was trying to figure out if there was any way that I could have, like, lured them out. Because you can kind of kite one enemy around if you're careful. But I don't think that it was even remotely possible for me to for me to beat that level. Um, man, I played a lot of that game, though. I'm not... I mean, I'm getting better at it. Like, I keep, I keep outdoing my previous best score. Um, but, man, there's just, like... Every once in a while, I will just start a game and just die on the first level because of, like, an unlucky set of, like, wand experiments failing or whatever. And that's a little dissatisfying. But I know there's got to be a way to avoid... Like, there has to be a skillful way to avoid that. Otherwise, people would not have these streaks of 150 games or, like, whatever it is that the people at the top of the leaderboard have going on. How how are they doing that? I, I'm kind of confused because I, like... Maybe I I just don't inter- haven't internalized what all the wand pictures mean or whatever, but like it still just feels baffling to me when I've been using the wands as to what is happening and how do you know in advance what you're gonna do? Like uh, clearly you're not supposed to know in advance, but you're supposed to know generally like what your strat like I don't even have know what strategies you use to like initially learn what the wands do yeah right like it just yeah i mean and i think mine is probably too aggressive like i think i probably spend too much time trying to kill all the monsters right which is just not generally speaking i think a thing that you need to do right but it's just like it makes it easier to get the treasure but it, it just means that a lot of the time i will just like sit there and get killed on level one because i keep trying every wand on the crowd of enemies that surrounded me and none of them happen to be the right thing and so i just lose um so i'm sure there are safer ways to learn those things 
you know, and, and, and just like something that I, something that I kind of internalized early on was like, you should never leave a level without having fired all of the wands to try to like figure out circumstances in which they'll do things that you didn't know about. You know, like shoot, shoot every wand at the bottom wall before you leave a level because maybe it will heal you because maybe it will be one that heals when you shoot the bottom wall and then you'll know that. Um, Shoot I will every, often like just rewind at the top of the screen to see if it's the one that uh, that, that recharges itself. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Um, you know, sometimes I'll wait for a new frog to spawn so that I can like just try shooting it with every wand that I have before it gets close enough to me to hurt me. Just some because maybe I have one that kills frogs or maybe I have one that you know puts things to sleep or poisons things or whatever. Like, how much I'll, damage do you do you like have a a a budget for how many hit points you feel okay losing on any given levels or whatever? No, not really. And that's the thing that that's probably what is making me bad at the game now. Hmm. Other than playing a shitload of Cinco Paws, all I have played is uh, Into the Breach. I uh, I hit up those guys to see if, if we could get a key. And uh, man, that game is good playing more of it than I was able to play at Fantastic Arcade and, like, actually getting to engage with some of the upgrade systems and stuff. Like, it is, like FTL, just very... Like, every decision you make about how to spend every upgrade point that you get is just it's sort of agonizing. It's so good. Um, <laughs> man, that game is good. I'm really excited for it to come out. I mean, you- less so now because I can just play it, but... <laughs> Have you? I want to. I want. I want to talk to other people about it. Like it's. Have you played through like an entire campaign? Yeah, I played on easy and got through. Got through the entire thing to the like final battle, which is not done yet. Okay. Um, it unlike FTL, like FTL was frustrating to some extent because the final fight was so different than the rest of the game necessarily. Like, well, it isn't that it was different. It's that. The final fight requires you to be able to deal with a bunch of shit that you never necessarily had to deal with before that. And so you probably focused on, like, making your ship a thing that could just win fights in the mid-game. Right. But you don't have any defense against borders or, like, you don't have any way to, like, board the opponent's ship. So like, like I just never messed with because I found it to be tedious micromanagement. But in order to beat the final boss, you need to do a bunch of upgrades that wouldn't necessarily help you in the yeah. early game. Yeah. And that is not the case here. Like the final boss, the final level in Into the Breach is just another very difficult lo- Into the Breach level or a sequence of them or something. Um, Same r- relatively short time frame or does it go on longer? <sighs> Yeah, same same time frame. That is you gotta, such a you spend, mechanic. Like yep. having each each actual little playable level just be Yeah, it's like five turns. And yeah. if you like your goal is just to survive. Like they, they you always win if enough time passes. Or if you destroy all of the enemies. But like uh, Yeah. It's like just such a like such a tightly constrained resource management problem it's man it's good and it's it's just it gives me that it it gives me that like 
the feeling that I kind of got when I was getting better at Spelunky, which was like every time I lose something, I'm like, fuck, I know exactly what I did wrong there. Um, sometimes, you know, it, the, the one thing that it doesn't do is sort of, I mean, you'll definitely have things happen to you that you didn't anticipate, but it's not because they were emergent chaotic interactions between systems the way that uh, would happen in Spelunky sometimes, but it was just be like, if you didn't know that that's how this thing worked, you'll be surprised by what happens. But otherwise, like, you know, it sort of just dogmatically tells you exactly what's going to happen. And you know, right away, whether you've been able to prevent that from happening, right? Like it just tells you what spaces are going to be attacked by these enemies when it's their turn to move. Um, I think that probably a lot more strategy in the harder difficulty level and the harder levels is going to end up being centered around like moving the enemies such that they will attack one another because otherwise I think you just don't have enough ability to do damage. Um, so yeah, into the breach VGVD. Very good video game. <laughs> very good venereal disease. <laughs> I'm at VDVG. Very dude. Uh, very dude. Yeah, makes video sense. Game. VGVG. Very good video game. What the fuck? W- <laughs> WTD, Zach. <laughs> well, should we talk about the assignment? Sure. No, that, let's. You guys, everything is going to be okay. Oh, good. I guess That's so. Nice no. <laughs> um, so. This uh, this being described as a as an interactive zine, I think was a really good yeah yeah I could yeah it's apt for me it cell. it also set my expectations lower than they needed to be because there were some pretty fun interactive bits to this that I was not expecting because it was sort of pitched as more of a passive thing. Hmm. Um, it is basically a bunch of it's like a fake desktop operating system like in that classic new genre of like I don't know what what is what is creating this now like why are there so many of these in the last couple of years that's a good question it might just be that like Windows 3.1 is now old enough that people are nostalgic for it no this feels like these often feel like like Windows 95 nostalgia yeah (laughs) maybe although this is like Windows 3.1 but with like 320 by 280 <laughs> resolution right. behind it. Right. Um, Wait, was it, was yours, did yours look like a windows thing? Cause mine looked windows. like a Mac. Mine looked like a Mac desktop. Really? Like so it, I definitely the, saw, I, I, I saw a mashup of you. Yeah. There was some stuff that was very explicitly looked like Mac stuff, okay. but. There was definitely, like, and there were definitely stuff that looked like the, you know, the the title bar from a Windows three, um, window. I, I think it's supposed to be kind of a hodgepodge out of time. Yeah. yeah, it's the aesthetic of this is really, it's glitchy, but not the messy kind of glitchy that pisses me off. Like <laughs> anything that you're supposed to be able to click on, it's obvious that you can click on it, and it's like got a well defined area. And right. it's there's probably That's, more stuff hidden in there than I found. You don't think so? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's like there's definitely I definitely sort of m- moused over a bunch of areas and found things to click on that was weren't immediately obvious to me. Well, sure. It's not that there aren't things hidden. It's that there won't be something that's like supposed to be interactable, but then it's just hard to interact with. Okay. Like, yeah, beca- like because it's like slop. Unless like, that's part of the game. Yeah. 
Um, so there's, there's like 27, 28 icons on the screen that are just different pages and you open them up and there's like a sort of a, I don't know, kind of a Homestar Runner level cartoon with interactive bits on it. Almost all of them has something hidden in it somewhere that you can click on that then opens some weird app or mini game or some goofy window on the Have your screen covered with animated birds. Yep. I didn't find that one. Uh, well, you you find a bunch of little anime like here's a gif of someone booping a bird. Okay, okay, can, yeah, I did find that. Then you can find, find a bunch, a bunch more like that. Uh, okay, I only found one of those. Right. Um, one of the one of the little vignettes is a like a music sequencer that's just sort of different, weird, annoying screeching noises. <laughs> and uh, when you close it, it just adds whatever annoying sequence of screeches you programmed into it to the game's soundtrack for the rest of the time that you're playing. And you can that save it as a so wave file. More sense. I didn't realize that that's what had happened because I had just clicked on a, <laughs> a handful of things and I was like, man, this suddenly got way more annoying. Yep. <laughs> and if you run it again, thinking that, oh, if I just save a blank one or if I save a simpler one, it will replace the other one. Nope. Just overlays on top of it. <laughs> for the for the full experience, you, you definitely want to turn on the Let's Player. Yep. That is also pretty good. Uh, <laughs> this must be, this must speak to some very specific experiences that Natalie has with people doing Let's Plays of her games. Well, I think the whole game is basically it, this is, I think this is a totally autobiographical game. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it says as much. Like, there's artiststatement.html in the sure, directory, sure. which is good. Did you poke around in the other stuff in the MISC directory that, no. that comes with it? There's just a bunch of, like, funny, just sort of, like, sequences of GIFs and stuff. Right. Um, there's, boy, something that this game really taught me is how annoying Windows 10 is. Uh, <laughs> in, in wanting to look through directories of GIFs, I was like, oh, right, I should... Because right now, when I double click on a GIF in Windows Explorer, it opens the Microsoft Photos app, which is like, hey, we're going to manage all of your photos and shit. Let's get ready to ruin everything. And like, no, like, (laughs) and you can't just like click left and right to tab through the images in a directory, which is what I always want. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to download Irfan View, like the image reader from the 90s that still just works and runs really fast and they made a 64-bit version of it. It's like you can just use it in modern Windows. Windows, if something else takes over the file associations for GIFs and JPEGs, will just undo it and pop up a warning that tells you, hey, something tried to change what happens with JPEGs, so we've switched it back to our bullshit for you. Like, wow. 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 Fuck you. Like, I figured, so I just spent a bunch of time figuring out how to get in there and and like actually change the association. Um, it, I was a little nervous. Like after I played, everything is going to be okay for a, maybe three minutes. It just like hard crashed and I couldn't tell if it was a joke or not. I was like, <laughs> I don't I'm like, does this usually have a debug button on it? Right. And I clicked it and I think that maybe it was just because of mono developing or that's not mono develop. What is the thing that's installed with unity? The, the like default IDE that comes with unity. No, it is mono develop. Okay. So I think you... maybe because having mono develop installed, like it let, like it would have let me read whatever log file it dumped for that or whatever. But I was like, I don't know. Okay. Uh, but I thought maybe it was just like a joke in the game. Cause every once in a while, the game will just pop up a thing that looks like a normal windows dialogue. Um, there's so many little fun things and there's so many like 
all right, this is like, here's a guy that you can talk to, and every time you click on him, he randomly generates an inspirational poster, yeah, which then it just prompts great. you to, like, save out to your directory as a JPEG. Like, yeah. it it is it does all of this, like, sort of a collaborative, generative stuff between you and a, and a random, and random generators for text and images and stuff. And then it almost always lets you just, like, save it out as, a, as an artifact of your time spent with the thing in a way that's really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all these vignettes about, like, insecurity about dating or being too weird to make normal friends or people wanting you to do art for them and not pay for it or yeah being depressed and it's but it's all really cute and funny yeah which is like i think why she was able to talk about it at all yeah yeah that helps a lot yeah Yeah. i was like man i I can't decide if i find this really uncomfortable or really hilarious (laughs) (laughs) Why not both? Because, yeah. I mean, it's never it's never funny in a mean-spirited way, you know? Right. It's, like, it's yeah. like funny in a sympathetic way, like the way that you would, j- like, you know, the way that we all sort of make jokes about our various mental illnesses yeah. in order to, like, not just scream all the time instead. <laughs> like, um, yeah. The, all of the random generators, like, they had enough stuff in them that it didn't ever get repetitive or old mm-hmm. and nothing like wore out its welcome. Like all of these vignettes like tended to be over in like two or three minutes if you just went through them yeah. and, and you can unless click out of there, any of them at any time. If you yeah. You can yeah. just close the window. There are, there were a few mini games that I was too good at. Like there was the one where like, you're supposed to match the conversation topic that the other person just oh, yeah, talked yeah. about or else you seem weird. Yeah. And like the con, I was up to like 700 seconds, hmm. which is just like, this is, I, I started like being awkward just to get people to go away. Yeah. I was kind of messing it up, which on is purpose, maybe what guess, was, but, yeah, <laughs> maybe that's how you, that's the kind of person you are. The game has revealed that. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, the Let's Player, there's a little audio thing that just has a synthesized voice saying, whoa, what the fuck? This game is fucking crazy. What the fuck, game? Man, like, fuck, man. It's just <laughs> Don't this, do drugs and make games. Drugs. Yeah, this super vulgar, super just, like, shitty YouTube bro. <laughs> like, ah, man, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. I like this thing a great deal. Like, I can see why, I can see why this got its... IGF nomination. I kind of didn't know what to expect based on, because, like, I didn't really love that frog game at Fantastic Arcade. You know, like, that felt kind of inaccessibly sloppy. Like, that kind of reminded me of Oikospiel, so it's, like, good in that way that I am a bad person for not liking. <laughs> Was that a, Are those little cabinet games commissioned by Fantastic Arcade? I believe so, yeah. I believe that Wagos Ranchero is just, like, hires them out and i think they're made pretty quickly yeah so i wonder if that's the like this is what you end up making when you don't have sort of an undefined amount of time to sort of make something very personal and instead you've got to make something right you know quickly or whatever her like web page aesthetic so i mean because we we saw that talk at fantastic arcade where like Somebody made a game and like just while they were watching, like like while the people in the theater were watching them, and she just made a website for it, and it looked a lot like her actual website and the kind of stuff that that appears in in this game and just the random like HTML files that she has that associated with that stuff. And it's a very it's weird because I feel now like I could see 
a randomly assembled sloppy website and know whether it was hers or not because of the way that it was put together, which is, I mean, that means it counts as a style, right? It's a very specific fingerprint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I, I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, it's good. Whose idea was it to do this as an assignment? Was this yours, Kevin? Uh, I think so. Yeah, it was. Yay. Thanks, Kevin. Sure. Uh, I'm going to press the little heart button on Skype. (laughs) Uh, I, it would be fun to let's sort of sprinkle in some of the other IGF games over the next couple of months, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 Like West of Loathing. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you can, guys can it, all play West of Loathing. I'll play Glitterman Grove. Is, okay. Good. Is Baba, is Baba is you... Oh, is that Like, out? is that done? Is it a game you can play? I, I think maybe not. I think, yeah, I think not yet. I'm I'm super looking forward to that one. That looks amazing. I forget if I've talked about this on the podcast or not, but 10 years ago, I thought it was really dumb that the IGF winners were not games I could go buy and play. But nowadays, it seems weird to me that, and like, this is just me getting used to it, I'm sure. Nowadays, it seems weird to me that most of the IGF nominees are already out. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> I think it, it might, that might speak to the people holding back because they know that their best shot at the IGF is going to be a game that is done. The closest, as close as possible to release. Yeah. I I think the rules changed after Fez got nominated five times or something. Uh, Like if you've won, then you can't enter again or something like that. I think if you've entered, then you can't enter again with the same game. Maybe. Yeah. I think uh, you, well, I I don't know what the current rules are. You you definitely could for a while enter all the times. It might be if you're nominated. That makes sense. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm into that. I'm into the I'm into the IGF, uh, the weird games in the IGF. Although, like, I feel like we've played a lot of them already and talked about them. That's fine. That makes yeah, it easier. The, the new ones, the new ones that we haven't played. The Nuovo ones. Exactly. I had no idea that. Seamus McNally, uh, uh, after whom the IGF Grand Prize was named, is the guy. He was. He's dead now. But he was the guy that made DX Ball. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which I just played so much DX Ball in like 1999 at my office. It's got that ball ray tracer on it. (laughs) It's, um, it was really good. It was just like a really good freeware Arkanoid clone, or at least a free demo. Yeah. Um, I read about him in uh, John Carmack's uh, plan file, it was like it, we, like through the Make a Wish Foundation, because yeah, I think he had leukemia. Yeah. Uh, he, he what he, the wish he wanted was to meet John Carmack. That oh, is wow. real achievable. I would, would imagine and it happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he shipped um, like a multiplayer tank game called Treadmarks. I have no idea if that was any good, but like I remember reading about like deformable terrains, exciting. Hmm. And then was, he died. I was trying to figure out uh, like the only way that you can buy DX Ball now is to just like type your credit card number into their website, and it's like a '90s ass website. And I just have no idea like who does who gets this money? Like what? What? Yeah, like if they are those. Are they still like, do they still have a, a, um, a relationship with the visa company or something like that? I have no idea. Yeah. I'm just like, just try it. Hey, Kevin, can I borrow your credit card? (laughs) (laughs) 
I, at co-working, I was talking to a guy where I, I had brought up um, Legend of the Red Dragon um, in in the context of Kingdom of Loathing, and he uh, he had said that he played a bunch of um, he was a big fan of the creator of of Dink Smallwood, who was the same person as Legend of the Red Dragon as it as the person same person who made it. Oh, as really? It turned out, yeah. Oh. Um, and I was looking at um that guy's webpage and like the game you can buy games on there that he like indie games that he shipped in like 2002 yeah he made via paypal he made a game that was a lot like word realms after really? Legend of the red dragon yeah which was weird yeah that, um, that is funny and then he made an online he there was like a flash based multiplayer online game about being a funeral director and like leveling up your funeral home and selling nicer funeral packages that, to that sounds people. really good well <laughs> Well, it I mean, wasn't. it sounds like a funny idea in yeah. practice. In practice, it was just like a very, very low level of interaction. Right. I mean, so was Legend of the Red Dragon, to be honest. Like, did you ever did you ever log into a BBS that had like real heavily modded Legend of the Red Dragon? No. Like you, there was just a framework for writing Legend of the Red Dragon mods and they got bonkers in a lot of cases. I remember playing one that like had like a kind of a roguelike section where it's like, oh, you go through this portal and now you're like a little at sign running around <laughs> on a map, like wow. doing stuff. Like, and it was just like this, this complete game in there that somehow tied back into your Legend of yeah, the Red Dragon Dink experience. Smallwood apparently has a huge modding scene as well. Hmm. Even now. Was Dink Smallwood just like a, I find that name so profoundly off putting that I never yeah. even looked into what it is. Yeah. I, I actually like I I down you can get it Dink, Dink HD or whatever it's called on on phones now for free. It's just like a Sierra game, right? Like no, oh. it's kind of a mashup of so like I, I played like forty five minutes of it, and the first half hour is basically a bad Sierra adventure game. Um, and th but then they start adding in like Diablo style fights. Hmm. So it's like. It's it's a it's kind of a mashup of like uh, an adventure game and uh, like an action like RPG, brawler. yeah. Hmm. Uh, and it it's real ugly because it's using the the like low res pre rendered 3D uh art, art the style that Diablo two had in Diablo one I guess. Um, it was it was real hard to hard to go back to. Had you played it when it was contemporary? Yeah, that go back to is not the right phrase. <laughs> It was hard to go to nowadays. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Seth Abel Robinson is that guy's name. Right. The Seth Abel the Bard in The Legend of the Red Dragon was named after him. Uh. Um, and I don't know if Violet, the the comely barmaid that you, I guess, eventually got to have sex with in that <laughs> game if you leveled up enough and paid Seth Abel to, I don't know, maybe she was based on some woman that wouldn't sleep with him in high school. <laughs> I didn't get the I didn't get the sense of the guy being a guy I would like from reading anything that he had written or <laughs> or the fact that he then named a game Dink Smallwood, which is just come on. Well, and, dude. and like all the writing in the game is on that level, unfortunately. No, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess he became a successful and fairly well-known game developer when he was like. 15. Yeah. I think he was very, very young when he wrote Legend of the Red Dragon. So. Uh, very prolific. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what he does for a living. That's a good question. I wonder where he lives. 
<laughs> go pay him a visit. Seth, if you're listening, tell us where you live. We'll come buy you a beer. Maybe he's somebody who doesn't drink. Wouldn't that be horrible? Buy him a How could you ever beer. become friends with or relate to somebody like that, Jim? I, I have no idea. Yeah, you, you probably don't know very many people that don't drink. It's, it's been a problem. Um, guys, our next assignment, uh, Jim wanted to play uh, the game... Wait, no. No, we decided not to we do that. We decided not to do that. Never mind. What are we playing, Riff? I forgot. Uh, oh, subsurface circular. Yes, subspace celluloid. Sub- subspace sub- circular. Subsurface. Subsurface circular. Subsurface circular. All Patreon backers. Who's, who is Mike Bithel? Uh, he made... Um, Thomas Was Alone. Thomas Was Alone. Okay. And a stealth game. I think it's called Volume. He's actually made a bunch of stuff, but Thomas Was Alone was the only thing that got famous. Gotcha. Did he write that the writer will think of something? No, that was... Um, was that Tom Bissell? That was two... That was like... I think that was Tom and um, uh, Matt Sagey, uh, Matthew Wasteland on Twitter. Hmm, okay. I don't know why I think... I associate that with Mike Bithell for some reason. Hmm. Anyway. Who's the guy that was the games writer that got cancer like a couple years ago? Uh, Tom Chick? Yes. He's the guy that made those comic books about how Dungeons and Dragons will make you turn to <laughs> Satan, right? <laughs> That's right, yeah. yeah. Okay. This has been trying to remember the names of guys with Zach. <laughs> and, uh, uh, gentlemen. Uh, yeah. yeah? Uh, I couldn't remember my name. No. Nice. I can't either. Uh, guys, speaking of uh, names that we remember of real people, uh, do you know who this episode of Video Games Hot Dog was brought to you by? Who? Our generous Patreon backers, such as Chick Bethel. <laughs> Icarus Point Portnoy. Uh, Beth Chickle. Surfactant Ovoid. Ooh, gosh. Is that, is that, is that a knight? Is that Surfactant Ovoid? <laughs> I was thinking of a thing that made, like, that, that, <laughs> that makes things slipperier. Okay, but is itself, uh, but is knighted. An oblong? <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 316 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we, I hope we record episode 317 real soon, and we'll all be together again, except for Riff, who's never together. And listeners, I hope you'll be together, together with us, in the same sense that Riff is, Riff, except you, you don't get to be on the, you don't get to be on the podcast. Riff, you should mail us one of your organs. Oh no. So you could be, I need in all the of room. those. I don't have a single spare one. I bet you do. Just be, okay, use some of your extra Legos to build a little pipe organ and send okay. it to Jim okay. to be a smartass. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, I was, th- I was gonna say, like, send, use it to replace your heart and then send us your heart. Uh, Whoa, that's got, mm. Uh, Kakabubu Balaya. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>